Okay, well, well, never works. Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Um, I'm not sure if anybody else heard that, but it sounded like intro music skipped, uh, which is interesting because it's just an MP3 I've loaded into the program. So that's kind of cool. It makes it feel more real. Um, <laughs> welcome back. It is now May officially. Well, it's been May for a while, but I was sick last week. Uh, I missed a start. I had to sit on. I had to sit one out with the flu, um, like Noah Syndergaard. Um, but I'm back. I've done two fantasy football podcasts since my last baseball. So I'm excited to talk baseball. Since we last talked, my team is doing so much better. So I'm just already much, much happier. Uh, joining us on the podcast tonight, Stefan Zonia. Stefan, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. Um, since the last time we talked, uh, you, the injury bug that you were suffering with on your teams is, has transferred to me. So I assume that that is 100% your fault. Well, you can't blame me. For my guys are still hurt too. I just uh, all right. So let's let's get this out of the way first. How are you doing overall? Is it are you have you dropped in the standings? Are you still top? What's it looking like for you? Are you cratering? So there there are two leagues that I really I do every year with uh, some of them with longtime college friends and one with uh, my friends here in Philadelphia. I'm a transplant to Philly, and those are I mean I do a lot of leagues, but those are the two leagues that I put the most time and effort into. Okay. And uh, so in one, I've been absolutely destroyed by injuries. And uh, I came out to a hot start. I was in first place, and now I dropped down to fourth, um, which is still, I mean, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, as long as the team gets healthy, I'll be all right. But um, in the other one, the injuries haven't been so bad and uh, still still leading the way in that one. Well, that's good to hear. Um, I have been riddled up and down by injuries. First first day of the season, I lose Joe Nathan. Not a huge loss because he was just sort of like a flyer at the end of the draft. Right. He so probably saved you some pain. Well, it probably did, but, you know, I was figuring, hey, what's it? Uh, Soria has like nine saves. Like, Nathan could have converted five of those, so that would be five saves for me. ERA wouldn't be great. Uh, I had Alex Cobb. Then he got hurt after the draft. Now he looks like he might need Tommy John. I have Iwakuma, who has a, a oblique injury. Brent Morrow has a shoulder. Anthony Rendon has an oblique. Um, and I have one other guy. Oh, I dropped Marcus Stroman. He tears his ACL. Like, some of these teams, I just are so injury-bitten. Luckily, most of them are dynasty leagues, so I can sort of just pack it in and try again next year. But um, right. But I luckily, so, I, picked up, I picked up Josh Reddick in a lot of my leagues, like, nice. as soon as he came back. So that's, that sort of offset it. Nice. Yeah. So, um, all in the last week, I mean, I, in, a, in the league that, uh, I dropped in, I also had the Okuma, but, um, in the past two weeks, I've also lost Archie Bradley. Um, I lost 
George Springer. I just lost Hanley for a couple games, although it does look like he's going to avoid the DL. Um, and let's see, uh, there's somebody somebody else fairly significant for my team because it's a deep it's a deep keeper league um, in that he keeps 30 players. Each, each team keeps 30 players, and then we have an additional 20 bench spots. Uh, Brandon Morrow is the other guy. So that may, may seem minor in most leagues, but in a league where you have 50 roster spots, I mean, a guy like Brandon Morrow is actually pretty useful, so losing him sucks yeah. too. Yeah, those deep leagues hurt. But uh, speaking yeah. of injuries, so you're, if you're in a deep league like that, would you? how long do you hold on to sort of a – like a, I guess a Brandon Morrow is not a good example because that is such a deep league. But in a more shallow league, say 12, 15 teams, um, right. how long are you? Would you would you hold on to him for if he's on the DL for a month? Um, I mean, if you have DL spots, obviously you could use him there. But like, how long are right. you willing to sort of to keep with an injured guy before you're like, I got to get rid of him and try to get somebody who's actually playing on my bench here? So for me, it's all context. I mean, of course, if we're just talking like a standard. 10, 12-team league where you, you roster 26 people, uh, which is a fairly standard uh, league size. Yeah. A guy like Brandon Morrow, you can't. I mean, you can't hang on to if if you don't. If he's taking up an, a bench spot versus a DL spot, I mean, there's you can't you can't hold on to a guy like that. He's useful in deep leagues, but um, you know, there's, it's it's just not worth the the utility of that extra spot because there's going to be somebody useful out there. But when you're talking about a guy, you know, like in, in my shallow, uh, more shallow league, I also have Iwakuma, I have Jake Lamb, and uh, I have, uh, who, who am I missing, Archie Bradley. Now, I'm going to just eat it, basically. Uh, I'm going to eat that dead roster spot. I have two DL spots in that league. But, um, you know, the waiver wire is so thin right now that I would rather just hang on to Jake Lamb for – future production because dropping him right now, I'm not going to be able to pick up a bat that has any, has any added utility for me. So, um, you know, that's kind of the, the decision-making process you have to go through. And, of course, you have to evaluate how long the injury prognosis is for each player. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I think I think part of it also has to be if you are going to drop a Jake Lamb, right, and you're expecting X amount of production out of him, it is sort of, is there going to be a guy who, even if I pick him up and he plays 20 more games, is he going to give me what Jake Lamb would give me in six months right. versus what this guy's going to give me in seven months? And I think sometimes people sort of think, all right, I just need the guy who's going to play every day now. So I've seen a few people get dropped in leagues that I'm in where I don't think they probably should have been dropped. It worked out for me. I picked up a couple of people. Um, right. But, but you just sort of have to judge, is it worth it to take a month of somebody batting 230 and giving you four home runs and 11 RBIs or are you going to, when Jake Lamb comes back, is that going to be worth more? Um, right. And, and you actually raise a perfect point is that this is the time of year where you actually want to add some of these injured guys if you can, because there are people who may have bad luck in the draw where they get four or five, six of these guys that have all been hurt and their hand is forced where they have to drop them because otherwise they can't be competitive. And if yeah. you have if you have space at the end of your bench or you have just some kind of, um, you know, you're streaming pitchers or whatever and you have a spot open for that, you know, stash some of these guys now while you can because, you know, we're only in May, so most of these guys aren't dealing with season-long injuries. And if you can grab some of these guys on the waiver wire, 
I mean, it's going to make a big difference for you come playoff time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have been happily stashing Patrick Corbin on a, a, a DL spot on a few of my leagues. Like, And things are sounding good for him, which I'm pretty happy to report. Yeah, smart, smart. So, and he's also one of those guys that's been out for like almost a year. He'll be out for like a year and a half when he finally comes back. So there is sort of, uh, okay, he'll he's almost back to where he was like in 2013. Right. Uh, but but it really does seem like every like every team, every person I've talked to on this podcast are mostly just in real life about fantasy baseball. They're like, oh, my God, I don't know. My team, everybody's hurt. Carlos Gomez is hurt. Anthony Rendon is hurt. Uh, Hunter Pence is hurt. Alex Cobb is hurt. It just, the list goes on. Kenley Jansen's hurt. It's a... Uh, it seems like more people have been hurt this year than I can remember in a while, or at least like the top um, top of the charts kind of guys. Uh, so I do. I am interested. Would you ever trade? Would you ever trade for a hurt guy, or are you just sort of staying away because you don't know what you're going to get with him? You know, it, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean. The, the, there, there's a field for training for a hurt guy, right? Because you can get, you, you know, you can potentially get a player for, you know, 50 cents on the dollar because you're buying at an injury price, right? So, the, I mean, of course, I, you know, it's worth thinking about. So in past years, you know, generally when a superstar gets hurt, or if, especially if you own them, you know that all of a sudden out of the woodwork people are coming with trade offers. Yeah. And, you know, I've been one of those people, and you, you really, again, have to evaluate, you know, A, is this, if it's a pitcher, is it an arm injury? You know, like for right now, uh, something that just recently happened, Strasburg left to start with, with arm tightness and shoulder issues. You know, that's, that's an alarm, right? So, especially for a guy with injury history. So, yeah. if I'm a Strasburg owner, I might listen to a trade thinking, well, hey, I mean, there's a there there is a real chance that this derails his whole season. But if I'm a guy who owns somebody like, oh, I don't know, Bradley, Archie Bradley, who, you know, freak injuries got hit in the face by a line drive, you know, should be okay. You know, I'm I'm not gonna trade that guy, but I might try to trade for him because, you know, the prospects for a season based on the injury has you know, don't seem to be all that diminished. Yeah. Um, I agree about the pitcher thing. Uh, just because it seems like those, you can sort of read between the lines on some of those, um, like, injury reports where they're they're throwing fastballs, but they haven't thrown any breaking stuff yet, or they're, or they're doing it on right. flat ground, and there's still no timetable for the return. That Those words kind of, they, they scare me a little bit. Um, right. Because it seems like they're trying to be positive, but it, the underlying tone is negative. Uh, I saw this with Alec Cobb firsthand. Like they're like, "Oh, he he's okay," and but we're not sure when he's coming back, even though we're supposed right. to come back around now. So we're just gonna like we'll just see what happens. Like, well, that's kind of a red flag for me. Um, right. I don't tend to. I wouldn't. Or I don't tend to try to trade for hurt pitchers because I like like you said pitching. Pitching injuries are so kind of fluky. Like you could, it could be a minor thing, or it could be you're out for the season. Um, I tend to look for like like a Hunter Pence situation, mm-hmm. where if he was somebody's top guy or second or top guy, and they're sort of cratering, you could sort of trade two 
middle tier guys for him, give him just about like just give him players so he can fill in two holes and you get back one good player, stuff like that. Uh, but again, yep. it is going to matter who you have on your team. Like if you, you can't be giving away two of your starters to get Hunter Pence so when he plays in a month, he'll be better than your starter now. But if you have, you're filling that hole in with somebody terrible, is again, it's not worth it. Uh, right. I think the, and, the injury thing is interesting. Right. And, and you know, the additional thing, uh, you know, and we we covered this mostly, but when you when you look at the recovery times for pitchers versus hitters, the pitchers are much more likely to be delayed, right? Because they throw these side sessions and they throw simulated games and then they throw a bullpen and then they throw a start in the minors. And all of these things can easily re-aggravate what they're doing. So, I mean, Verlander is an example from the Tigers. Is You know, he, was he going to be ready for opening day? They were talking about that during spring. And then they pushed him back. Oh, well, maybe he'll be ready by the end of April but then they shut him down again, and now he just threw some pitches today again, but still just a simulated game. And so, I mean, he might be out until the end of June. He might not be back until August. I mean, really, we don't have any idea because, I mean, the arm muscles that that these guys are using are so intricate, and they respond differently, and nobody really knows. I mean, uh, Hunjin Ryu is another guy who keeps getting pushed back. I mean, we really don't know. I mean, with, with Pence, you know, and a guy like Hanley, like, you can have kind of a more accurate reading of, like, when a guy like that is going to come back. Yeah. And um, I don't know if this really has any effect on fantasy baseball, but it just, from my mindset, it's nice to hear positive updates on your injured players. And it seems to be there are more positive updates on batters than there are pitchers. So right. I tend to keep more hurt batters because I just feel like they come they come back a little sooner. Um, right. But I think I think that's pretty. You know, we've kind of covered the injury thing. Everybody has injuries. And if you're going to make a trade, it's sort of a case by case scenario. Can you afford to lose the production for a month? Is it worth it? All that good stuff. Yep. All right. But the real reason we have you here is to talk Sandler Park strategy. Uh, if you did not listen to the last podcast we had about Sandler Park about a month ago, it's a, it's a four week fantasy league uh, salary cap. You can put your lineup in two times a week. I think it, you said it on Monday and Friday. That's mm-hmm. I think. Uh, nope, Sunday. Yeah, no, yeah, no you're, you're right. Uh, the, it's so Monday through Thursday is an interval and Friday through Sunday is an interval. Yeah, I was getting confused on the Friday through Sunday part. Um, so it, it does offer some interesting, you know, um, strategy because you have those extra three days to reshuffle pitching or batting, stuff like that. And Stefan here came in second in the so-called uh, fantasy experts uh, league after our fearless leader, David Ganos jinxed you and gave you the win two days early. And then uh, I was so mad stuck. about that. Uh, he, he called you out and you, uh, I don't want to say you choked away, but maybe uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe who may show up later sort of took it from you. But um, all right. I know we talked a month ago about your strategy, but what, uh, if you could sort of pick out, from the things you were thinking when you drafted the team last uh, month was like the one thing that you think really sort of gave your team success. Well, I I did sort of talk about it and, and these things of course are fluid, but whenever you're playing a game like Sandler Park where there's salary cap and, and players have a fixed salary cap, it's important I think to go through and very thoroughly look through the list and identify players that you believe are bargains at their price. 
because, you know, anybody can put Cabrera and Trout and Stanton on a roster, but if you're filling it out with garbage, you know, that's not going to win you anything. So I always start by going through, and the players that jump out to me as being underpriced, I start there, and then I fill out, you know, with studs from there because I can see, you know, how many big price players can I afford. So I did that I did that last month and I did it again this month and we'll see how it goes. Well, uh not to brag, but I'm already ahead of you. So this could be <laughs> the best. I finished in I think ninth place. I was second to last. So uh I whatever I did last month didn't really work out. And then I had some injuries too, but um I loaded up on pitching thinking okay, I can I can shuffle it so often. And some of my pitching was really really good. Uh some of it was really, really bad. So I really wasn't, I didn't end up shuffling too much because I ended up not having great sort of options to put back in there. Um, I did have a few success stories. I think everybody in our league picked Jock Peterson um, because I think he was like nine bucks or something last month. And that worked out really well for me. Um, Matt Harvey at 14 or 15 was great, but uh, it didn't, it didn't go well for, uh, for me last month. So, this month, hopefully, I will be doing better. I am uh, currently in third, right? Now, if you were wondering, that may not hold up long. But my sort of strategy, just to give you a like uh, a look into my brain, when I was picking these teams, was um, the guys who, and I believe in that sort of market correction where you know if you bat 200 for one month, your your average is going to raise up if you're a career 300 hitter the rest of the season. Right. So I was sort of just going with guys. Who I either believe in their breakouts or believe that they're not as terrible as they looked in the first month. Um, right. And so, so far, I think it's been pretty good. Um, like I took Evan Gaddis as my catcher. I think a bunch of people did at five dollars. Uh, I believe in Josh Reddick. He was seven dollars. Uh, who else did I take that I thought was a Justin Morneau? I think the Colorado thing will probably help him out, and he had a great double header yesterday. And then I really, uh, I was interested by Blake Sweetheart who got called up like two days or three days before our league started. I thought that was a mm-hmm. nice, a nice sort of speculative play for a buck. Um, and my pitching, I'm, I'm happy with my pitching. I actually included some hold guys this time because I had none last on my last team. I kind of punted that. So we'll see how this goes. But uh, what were you thinking coming into this, this month of uh, Chandler Park? Well, unfortunately, the uh, the injury bug has already followed me into month two of Chandler because uh, within, what are, what are we, four days into this month on Chandler, I already have um, Jordan Walden, Brandon Morrow, and uh, Hanley Ramirez all out, uh, two on the DL. So we're talking about uh, $36 worth of equity there that is already doing nothing for me. Um, yeah. So that that obviously is is bad luck for me, and uh, not much I can do about it now, except bench him and and you know move on with with the players that I have. But um, you know Blake Sweetheart was a guy uh, that that I I noticed too at a dollar. Um, you know, there's not as much variation uh, in catcher production, especially with the categories that we use here. Um, so I. Tend, I, I tend to go cheaper on the catchers and uh, spend my money elsewhere with the, the big-time producers. 
Um, a couple other guys that I noticed that were cheap um, as kind of like a backup middle infielder, Addison Russell is a guy who is highly touted. Um, you know, he had a, a kind of a slow first week, but he flexed a little bit of muscle in the last couple of games, and he was only a dollar. Um, so, you know, he's a bunch guy for me. But, again, you know, I try to focus a little bit on the, the guys that produce for on-base percentage, which was part of my uh, strategy for last month because, you know, since we're doing runs produced, uh, for those who, who aren't familiar with Shane, where we instead of doing runs and RBIs as separate categories, uh, they're a combined category. So, you know, these OP, OBT guys that are always, you know, on the base paths are more likely to, you know, be some kind of hybrid producer of both runs and RBI. So I kind of think of those or I conceptualize them as, you know, kind of one type of player that is a good producer in both areas. So that's why I've got guys like – I spent money on guys like uh, Matt Carpenter, uh, who has been sensational so far this year. Um, a really under-the-radar guy, Kendris Morales, is hitting the ball really well and only costs $10. He even brings a little bit of power with him, but, you know, he's he's a first baseman that's hitting around 320 right now. So that's, you know, that's the kind of player that I'm I'm looking forward to add here. Um, and then, you know, maybe one of the risks that I got, but kind of in the category that you were talking about, as uh, a player I believe in that will bounce back. And maybe this is naive of me because there is an injury risk involved here, of course, but Carlos Gonzalez was only 11 bucks, And, you know, playing in course, you know, playing in a lineup that has good offense, and I know he's been dropped down to six, sometimes even six, but the guys that are hitting ahead of him are all good offensive players. And I'm not, I would never bet against Cargo going off. Um, he's a good enough player. He's much better than what he's shown. So, yeah. Uh, I was definitely going to ask you about Carlos Gonzalez at $11. Um, that seems like a really good speculative play if he does bounce back. He seems to have just been kind of terrible all around in this first month. But again, it's only been a month, so you think these guys should bounce back. They should. Carlos Gonzalez has been an elite player for five years now. And right. I mean, he's he's not like in the past seasons he's been hurt, but he still played well, and he doesn't seem to be hurt. Uh, the team seems to be better than it has been in the past around him, at least offensively, with Dickerson and Blackman and Arenado. Um, you sort of think. All right, he's, he's due for some hits here. Um, I like that pick a lot. I see you have Jake Marisnik. Uh I picked him as well. I think he's on three or four teams. And I think that's an interesting one, too, because he, the Astros sort of are that hot team right now. So instead of sort of riding a hot streak with Marisnik, I, I sort of looked at it as riding a hot, the whole team. Like, okay, we'll get on base, people will drive him in. People will be on base for him to drive in. The team, they're feeling good. He's going to steal bases. They're going right. to run. They're going to score runs. So it was just sort of like a the not the scenario. I guess the setting he is in is conducive for you know fantasy production. Um, right. And I'm, I I thought that was a, a nice pick. Then you made I made it too. So I, hopefully it pays off for both of us. <laughs> Right, Kendrick's, and, and Kendrick's you know, my, my look at uh, Marisnik is that worst-case scenario, he's a stolen base contributor. Best-case yeah. scenario, he helps me everywhere. Yes, he continues to be the great pitcher, or not pitcher, great hitter he has been so far this season. Um, 
I can definitely sympathize with you. I took Brandon Morrow at, for three bucks. I thought that was a great deal. Uh, right. Maybe, it was. Maybe he, I mean, he didn't have a ton of wins. I think he only got his second win like on Sunday or Saturday. So maybe that, that wasn't factored into the salaries. But his ERA was in the mid twos. Uh, he was striking people out, wasn't giving up a lot of runs. Or, I mean, hits. It was a great pick. I'm sad he's hurt. Um, but luckily for both of us, because I took him too, Drew Smiley at $5. I love that Unbelievable. Pick. I think, uh, and you know what? That's a no-brainer. That was sort of one of those things where he was injured for that first month, and that probably, I don't know how they do the salaries uh, for the site, but that right. might have that might have played into it where they're like, oh, he had no production over the first month. He's a $5 player. And he's looked really, really Absolutely. good his first uh to start. Um, how confident are you for him to deliver 10, 15 bucks value back? Well, um, so I am a, I am a lifelong Tigers fan. And so I got a long look at Drew Smiley because he came up through our, uh, the Tigers system. And, you know, I mean, he, he's a talented, he's a really talented young pitcher. Um, he's a guy that I rostered in most of the, the leagues that I play in. And, you know he's he's legit. I mean he has got he's he's not a high end strikeout guy, but he's got excellent control. Uh, he does not give up a whole lot of home runs, so he's the kind of guy who's going to limit damage. And he uses his defense behind him, and you know he believes in his stuff. And at the end of the day, that's the kind of pitcher that you want on any kind of fantasy team in any format because you know he's he's not prone you know to the to big explosion or implosions that, you know, some of these kind of low-level guys are, you know. I'm not saying he's always going to be as good as he was in these first two outings, but, you know, he's a pretty dependable guy. Yeah. Um, he was a key contributor to my team last year. Uh, just watching him pitch down the stretch, like through August and September, was amazing. He, uh, I looked at right. his stats now. From August, from the beginning of August to when they shut him down in the middle of September, his ERA was like 1.7. Uh, yep. He was striking out almost was eight and a half people in an inning almost. It was just unreal to see this guy, who yeah he was a top prospect, but you don't usually expect guys who sort of bounced around. He got I think he got called up early last season and sent down. He might have been in the bullpen. He got traded. You think that sort of um, like what's the word I'm looking for? You think all that bouncing around would sort of knock him out of a rhythm or you know throw him off the season? But it seemed he was just as happy and. Tampa Bay as he'd ever been, and he was killing it. Um, so for $5, I was incredibly happy to pick up somebody like that. Um, Absolutely. Because, again, I, I still went with the more, um, what's the word they were, pitcher, pitcher heavy. Because it does mm-hmm. allow you to shift through. And I don't want to be the guy shifting through, like, oh, do I start uh, Blake Sweetheart today, like for these three days, or do I start – Evan Gaddis, what do I should I move this guy in, move this guy out? That's too that's too frustrating for me. Uh, and right. I will just I will just overthink everything and it gets it's just terrible. Um, <laughs> I liked I have Drew Smiley on my bench. I think James Paxton at four dollars was a guy I took, thinking he's gonna sort of bounce back. Um, his ERA is still pretty unseemly, but his last two starts have been pretty good. He's still hasn't won yet, but that's you know, most pitchers in Seattle not named Felix Fernandez. They don't tend to get too many wins. Um, and I bought in on the Ubaldo Jimenez train for $5. Uh, he didn't pitch great yesterday. Me too. But uh, 
I don't know. I thought that was not a bad play. He he seems to be hot right now for only a month. He may blow up during this month or at the end of the month, but if I can catch him on, you know, halfway through his two months of looking like almost Cy Young Ubaldo from four years ago, I think I'd take that for $5. Uh, was that right. what you were and, thinking? And, you know, I bought him too, and, you know, I, I kind of, to be honest with you, I kind of bought him begrudgingly. Um, because at $5, I was kind of rationalizing with myself that, you know, if it does go south, I haven't cost myself a whole lot. But, you know, I, I've i been watching Ubaldo since he left Colorado, came to Cleveland. You know, he's never he's never really looked like that same guy that was lighting it up in Colorado. And so, you know, I'm a little bit wary about the division and the environment he's pitching in. Um you know, it's a tough offensive division. It's a, certainly an offensively inclined uh, ballpark. So there is a real possibility that this doesn't work out. But, again, at $5, he's shown enough this year that it's worth a, worth a chance. And I'm guessing that when they were pricing him, they were taking all that stuff into account. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's he is who he is. You know, he, he can look great sometimes and then – you know, get absolutely shelled the next time out. So it's hard to really say with him, you know, what's going on. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I sort of felt safer taking it at $5 because I had already, and you might have felt this too because we have similar pitching. Um, I already had Smiley at 5 and Moro at 3. So I was thinking, right. if, you know, if he doesn't work out as a cheap bargain play, I still have two other cheap bargain plays to uh, sort of make myself feel better about it. Uh, but look, but looking through your roster here, your two most expensive pitchers were Garrett Cole at 19 and Chris Archer at 18. Um, right. I went with my top pitcher was Zach Greinke for 23 and Matt Harvey for 25. Zach Greinke looking really good so far. Matt Harvey hasn't pitched yet this week, so we'll see. But what was your uh, thought process going into the pitching? Were you thinking, this looks like you have four or five, maybe six, double-digit pitchers, but nobody over 20? Are you just right. trying to go for uh, mid, mid-level guys who are consistent? Well, part, part, of, my, part of my thinking uh, wasn't so much that I don't, I don't think of guys like Garrett Cole or Chris Archer as mid-level guys, right? So I, I think of them as, as pretty, pretty top-tier pitchers at this juncture in the season, at least, Yeah. Um, that were underpriced. So, you know, again, my focus is always on looking at value. And while there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, guys like Smiley and Granky are outstanding, um, you know, again, it's always cost, cost analysis. So, you know, I would rather have the, the difference in talent between uh, Harvey and Archer and save those $7 to use on a good, you know, improving a bat or use a, a better mid-level player elsewhere. So that's kind of was my strategy. Okay. That, I mean, that makes sense. Um, I sort of just went with Granky and Harvey thinking I had so – then this might have just been because of how, like, turbulent my first month of Chandler Park was with uh, some guys I thought would be really good, turned out to not be good. I was relying on Anthony DiSclefani to be, like, my second – best pitcher, stuff like that. So I kind of just yeah, wanted to yeah. lock up 
I wanted to lock up. All right, I know Harvey will pitch well. I know Granky will pitch well. Um, right. So I, I at least know I don't have to worry about any week where I'm just constantly getting blown up um, and right. just, just beat up, up and down. Um, so I was I was happy to get those two. And Granky, I think, was even a little undervalued at 23 for how well he's been pitching. Uh, under 23 is pretty expensive for this league, but he's been pitching better than Kershaw by a wide margin so far. Um, right. And he and he and he gets matched up against the second or sometimes third best pitcher on the other team because Kershaw has to take the is the ace of the staff, so he's getting the Corey Klubers of the world. So it's given me wins. I thought it was uh, a sound sort of strategy there that I'm not regretting at all, at least not yet, anyway. Um, but for pitching, obviously starting pitching isn't the only thing. And I know we talked about this sort of in depth last time. Um, how did you attack the save slash holds category? And for anybody listening who doesn't know, there is no saves category and hold and holds. They're not separate. They are one. Um, I think I finished it last in this last month. So I've tried it. I finished it first. See, so let's learn from the master here. What did, uh, well, what did, what did you go for? I got to give myself a little disclaimer on that. Um, (laughs) I realized after about a week into last month that I had probably rostered too many saves hold guys. Um, okay. Whereas I think a lot of people didn't roster enough of them. Um, I actually had paid for five, not fully uh, thinking about uh, the pitching rotation and, and how uh, easy it was going to be to fill uh, with, with starts. So I was often leaving guys on the bench. So Last last month, I actually I paid for Boxberger, and I think that I mean I only used him a couple of times, so it was really a waste of money on my bench. Um, so this month, you know, again, kind of using the lens of who is undervalued, uh, the two guys that really jumped off the page to me. Uh, one we already talked about was uh, Soria, who yeah. is now the no doubt closer. Uh, for a team that is going to win a lot of games. And for some reason, he was significantly cheaper than the other kind of top tier of closers, which I didn't understand. But for $8, I'll take that guy every every time. Yeah, you, um, don't, have to, you don't have to rub it in so much, Stefan. I, I know. Joe Nathan sucks, but come on. <laughs> I see him. And, it was a nice pick. He was a dollar. All right, continue. And then uh, as a as a dollar uh, value, which I was actually really surprised about. Um, I did find that, not that I am particularly thrilled about him as a talent, but John Axford, who is now, you know, the closer in Colorado, was only a dollar. So for me, that was a pretty, pretty easy decision when you've got a guy who is in line to be, you know, the only guy getting saves for a team and you can get him for a dollar. You know, I'll take that. Yeah, I think that the Axford pick was a nice one because that. It had been so turbulent there in Colorado that, you know, it probably kept the, the prices down. Um, and not to rub salt in the wound, Stefan, but I believe Joe is, has has made it. Joe, you here? Yes, I am. Hey, what's going on? Uh, yeah, Joe, we were talking before about how Ganos jinxed Stefan out of the win <laughs> by announcing yeah. it. Yeah, he did. He announced it. I think, I think a lot of people thought it ended on the 29th or, or I guess, I guess that uh, that Thursday, the thirtieth, 
because right. it was it, the month long leagues kind of threw it off, and it was actually through the third. So I had a few more days left to to make up that that point or half a point or whatever it was, and uh, I, I had a I had a pretty good weekend. <laughs> yeah. Sure did. Well, great for you, Joe. You two, top of the ranks. I was at the bottom. So uh, that was not great. Um, I don't know how much you heard while you were sitting out there in the uh, waiting room in digital space, but how did you attack the holds slash save category this month? I'm going to pull your team up so I can see what you're talking about. But I honestly had no idea what I was doing last month, so I'd like to uh, see what you guys tried to do this month. So, so I kind of I kind of took the same approach, and um, cause I, I don't even think I did very well in hold slays. I think I was in the middle of the pack, um, but obviously that's that's kind of how I constructed my team. More so starting pitching because I wanted to get all the strikeouts, and um, and, and the wins and the quality starts, and you know that uh, can help my ERA. But you know it's more the strikeouts, the wins, and the quality starts than it is holds and the saves. But I still went kind of value. Um, stuck with Pat Neshek. The the Astros are playing well, so I feel like he can get some holds. I took Soria for eight dollars. Um, I think I just heard you say you. I, I I just got on about a minute and a half ago, so I think I heard you say you took Soria also. Yeah, uh, I no Feliz. The, you took Feliz. Stefan took Soria and Axford, so he has. Yeah, uh, I took extra also because it was a dollar. I feel like these values were made the week before. Yeah, right. And Axford didn't have the job yet, so his value right. was still a dollar. And I mean that's a no-brainer. Yep. Well, I obviously should have picked Soria and Axford because that seems like what the winning play is. Because I'm just assuming you two are going to do well again. <laughs> I I took a little riskier strategy here. Um, I took Perkins at six. Closer for Minneapolis, for Minnesota, not Minneapolis. Uh, Brat Boxberger at ten, and I went Wade Davis at twelve, um, hoping that he would get a few more saves before Holland would get back, and then he would, you know, slide back into his eighth inning role. So I had sort of a hold slash saves guy, which is, or yeah, hold slash saves, which I thought was pretty rare. But uh, now it looks like Holland might be back like today, which. Sort of kills what I was going for, but it's all right. Um, I took Jerry yeah, Hughes out of Pittsburgh and AJ. Oh, AJ Ramos on Miami and mm-hmm. Tazawa on Boston. I may have went a little too heavy on save slash holds, but I, I like I was telling Stefan before, you may have missed this. I have Granky and Harvey and Doug Fister as my third pitcher, I think. So I have some frontline talent that I don't think I'll be switching out too much. Um, so I think it was a solid idea. May not be the best now talking to you two, but. Uh, well, I've actually we'll got Ramos and uh and, and Maines, I think maybe I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name. Uh M A N E S S from St. Louis. Um I've got I've got those two. Right now they're sitting on my bench because whenever I've got starting pitchers, but when I'm light on starting pitchers that are actually going to be starting yeah. uh for the three or four game stint that we need you know, we can have them in there for, I'll just swap in as many hold save guys as I can. Um right. and then but I'd prefer to have all the starting pitching in there I possibly can. Um, and I'll play matchups sometimes with my starting pitchers, like with my lower-end my lower end starting pitchers, I'll play matchups. Um, but I would prefer to just put just load my lineup with starting pitching as much as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what I tried to do last month. Um, I told Stefan this. It didn't really work. A lot of my guys kept getting blown up. So 
I was luckily I took Anthony DiSclefani for a buck last month, and that turned out really, really well for me. Not a not a lot else really turned out well for me. But um, you took Scherzer as your top pitcher at twenty seven. Uh, why'd you go yes, Scherzer? Why'd you go Scherzer over like uh, I don't know Felix or Kershaw or like if you're going to spend that time for money, what made you? What drew you to Scherzer? Um, the strikeouts. Um, okay. And uh, I definitely want, if I'm going to spend that kind of money on pitchers and you'll see, I also took Matt Harvey at 25. So I wanted two or three really heavy strikeout guys. And I feel like I got DeGrom pretty cheap and he's a big strikeout pitcher too. And he got me nine last night, unfortunately against my Orioles, but um, can't play fantasy with your heart. So you got to be smart about it. Um, And yeah, Scherzer got me ten, even though the he got kind of beat up in the in the run department. Um, got me ten strikeouts, got me the win. Um, Degrom got me nine. Harvey pitches this weekend, so that should be good. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty much, if I'm gonna pay that kind of money, I wanted the strikeouts. Kershaw's kind of struggling right now, so I don't really I don't really trust him as much if I'm going to pay yeah. that kind of money. And I'm pretty sure Kershaw, I don't remember what his exact value was, but I'm pretty sure it was still in the 30s. It was $36. Well, actually, you yeah. know, I should have looked at this before I asked that question because Felix Hernandez was 34 So Scherzer has a $7 decrease from those two. Seems like a pretty nice uh Yeah, nice and, and I'll and – I'll, I generally lean toward National League pitchers – over American League pitchers when I can, because they kind of get that freebie out, <laughs> or yeah. pretty much normally a strikeout with the pitcher uh, every every nine at bats. So that that definitely gives them a plus. Plus, Scherzer's pitching in the National League East, which is another plus. He gets a lot of a lot of pretty cake matchups, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. Um, I saw Zach Reinke do that bat flip a few days ago, and uh, I was sold on his hitting potential. So obviously that's why I drafted him as a pitcher. Um, now that I'm looking at these, uh, not big values, but salary lists, uh, Stefan, I see Odorizzi and Archer with the same thing at 18. Um, their ERAs look pretty similar. What, uh, why'd you go Archer over Odorizzi? Um, I mean, honestly, for me, it is, it's, I, I actually did think about Odorizzi, um, and part of it, to be honest with you, might be somewhat of like a mental, uh, a mental block for me. Um, I just I believe more in what I see from Archer. Not okay. that, and that's not to discount Odorizzi at all because he is a talented guy. But um, I've watched a couple of Archer's starts, and he's just been overpowering. I mean, just dominating people, and you know, in, in tough competition too. So I mean, for me. I wasn't going to roster both of them, and so I just went with my gut feeling on who I believe can actually keep these numbers up or close to these numbers, and, you know, the no-brainer decision for me is Archer there. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. Um, I took Odorizzi last month at, like, 4 or $5, so I thought about going with him again. I know he's 18 now, but he just was – he pitched so well. I thought, okay, I could, uh, I, I'd be happy letting him sort of lead my team. But um, I can understand what you're saying where you still – last season I remember watching him pitch and his ERA was hovering around four for a while. So I don't want to be stuck with him when his – when if it if it does go up that high, I don't want to be stuck with him this month. Uh, if he does it right. again, 
he does it again, maybe we'll uh I'll I'll try that one out. But we'll see we'll see how the, the pitching for Tampa Bay shakes out now with Alex Cobb and his his poor, poor arm ligament. Um but Joe, since you showed up a little late, why don't you just sort of go through what you were thinking with your offense? Because I think you, I see you have Jack Peterson and Jake Marisnik. We all have Marisnik. Um, I have Sweetheart. Do you? We all have Sweetheart. Yeah, I mean, a dollar for a, for a catcher who's got a lot of potential seemed like a pretty easy pick there. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm interested with the Alex Guerrero pick. Um, do you, is he getting? Full playing time, or do you think just he'll he'll get in enough to justify that five bucks? Um, um, yeah, I mean, it, he's he's playing often enough that I think it's worth the five dollars. I mean, he did did he homer today or was it yesterday? Or it seems like every homer, time he plays, he hits a home run. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure he home he homer today. So that I yeah. mean, along with two from two from Grandall, who I also have. So the, there's three home runs. Hey, uh, shut up, Joe. Okay. from me. So, um, so but yeah, I mean he, I mean he's been crazy good when he's been in the lineup. You you can't doubt, you know, you you can't deny that. Uh, and even if he only plays five out of six or five out of the seven games each week, um, I think it's worth it. I mean, it's it's no worse than having a catcher who who's good and and only plays five or six games a week. Out of the out of the six or seven, so and to only spend five bucks on him, I need I needed salary relief somewhere, and around the five, six, four dollar range, he was by far the best player, even not playing yeah. full time. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense how you sort of compare him to a catcher who doesn't play every day, obviously, but you still are hoping to get something out of him, and his talent mm-hmm. seems to be more than what you would get out of most catchers. Um, so I can all right. I think it's a good pick. I think he probably will sort of stick in that lineup until Puig gets back just because they need another power bat in there because Justin Turner and Juan Uribe don't offer a ton at third base. Um, I know they were great last season, but I am I have my doubts. Um, all right, this question is for both of you guys. Joe, the guy we're going to talk about is on your team, so we'll let you start this off. But uh, Will Myers seems to be – like one of the best leadoff men in the league so far. I think he has like 27 runs scored or something like that. You think he? Mm-hmm. You think he keeps that up? You think? Uh, I mean, I know when Myers came up with Tampa two years ago, he was sort of looked at as a, a power hitter, and he's been hitting some home runs. But he's been stealing some bases and and scoring runs at the top of that lineup. Do you think he uh, keeps that up? Uh, I mean, do I think he keeps up the pace he's on? Well, not, I wouldn't say that pace is on because that would be yeah, like twenty sort of stuff. Yeah, tw- twenty-five runs is a lot, but no. Um, I mean, I think he keeps up a good enough pace that he was he was worth. I think he was what twelve bucks. I mean, twelve bucks yeah, was pretty good for bucks. for what he was doing, and he can hit me the home run. He steals me some bases, although I have zero stolen bases right now. I'm thinking on my team, which is weird considering I've got Peterson, Myers, Marisnik got all these guys who steal and and i don't have a single stolen base yet this week um but yeah i mean it was it was more the the power speed combo that that got me to to take him and plus because we have the category of runs plus rbis minus home runs and he's not going to hit me a ton of home runs he helps me in that category okay um 
I don't know. I find it just it, maybe it's just for me, like sort of. I don't I don't see him as a, a lead off hitter, and I was probably shied away a little bit because of that. Um, but I don't know that San Diego team is kind of odd. They'll they score a lot of runs in a lot of bunches, and usually Will Myers is on. Stefan, what do you think? That, about yeah, Will Myers? that's exactly why. <laughs> well, I mean, look, Will Myers' pedigree obviously is there. I mean, he he meets that that test, so he's still a young guy. It's hard for me to necessarily discount it. I know that you know he's been with three organizations already, but uh, so you know we all conceptualize him as a power hitter because you know he's been used kind of in that two, three, four, five you know batting orders. So now we're really seeing him kind of change his approach to the plate based on where he's at. And, you know, it's a hot offense in general. So, I mean, if you're the leadoff hitter in an offense that's been scoring a lot of runs, of course you're going to have a lot of runs up there. Um, you know, you, we look at the same thing. You know, when I got off to a hot start last month, one of my main catalysts was Anthony Ghost from the, the Tigers because in the first week of the season the Tigers were killing the ball. And, he, you know, he was a leadoff hitter, so he was a beneficiary there. So is it going to keep up at this base? I mean, definitely not. I think we can all agree on that. But, you know, there's enough talent there to believe that, you know, he even if that drops off, he's still going to be a really productive player. So, I mean, to that extent, I do buy it. Hmm. That's interesting. I have yet to buy in on Will Myers. Um, but I think you guys make some good points there. It's probably just me looking for him to hit those 25 home runs that everybody was predicting when he was in the minor leagues and that sort of uh, – taking the Billy Bean approach where he just gets on base and he'll, he'll, that'll lead to runs. Um, so we got about 10 minutes left. Um, I'm interested to hear how you guys approached the bench spots. I think, Stefan, we talked about this somewhat. But, uh, Joe, you have two batters and then the rest are, are pitchers. What, uh, what were you thinking filling out your bench? Yeah, so pretty much the same thing as last, last month. Um, I went heavy pitching because you can rotate those in. Um, you know, I've got my core batters. I just wanted some guys that in case there's injuries. And in fact, I did get burned by injuries last, last month. Carlos Gomez went out and then I also lost, um, uh, Pompey later, like the last week of the season or the last week of the month. Um, cause he got sent back down to the minors and I didn't have enough eligibility on my bench. So that was a big reason why I picked Marcus Simeon was because I can move him around to a couple of different spots, and then when I move him, I can slide Addison Russell where he went because it's second base. And then if and then I also because we have so, you know five outfield spots, I wanted a, an, an extra outfielder, and that's why I took Justin Justin Maxwell, who's who's who was only a dollar, playing pretty well. I'm not expecting a lot out of him. He'll likely sit on my bench unless Michael Saunders doesn't return. Uh, which I don't know what's going on there. I started him this week, and that that hurts. He's not playing right now. Um, so, you know, I'm not expecting anything out of him. That's why I just took him for a dollar. But you know, I, I went heavy heavy pitching again, so I can just rotate starters in and out every every you know the twice a week, and then get the the hold save guys mixed in there whenever I'm not whenever I don't have a lot of starters going. Okay, makes sense. Um, I had no batting bench last month and that really sort of hurt me for like I had a couple injuries nothing serious like uh, Carlos Gomez going on the DL but you know you just a couple guys were playing pretty terrible that I would have liked to have shifted out but I got nothing to put there um, Stefan I know we talked about this a little bit before but any last sort of thoughts on 
your bench strategy before we uh, move on to our last topic? Yeah, so last month um, also, you know, I wound up with some dead roster spots because, uh, you know, I I shelled up for uh, Blue Croy last month, and, you know, that was a big injury because not only did I lose him for most of the month, but I also didn't have a backup catcher. So he was just kind of sitting there in my, my lineup just drawn dead. And, uh, you know, I mean, what I learned from that is not necessarily – I mean, injuries are going to happen, and, you know, they've already happened. Like I had Saunders, too, and Hanley and, and two pitchers on the DL already, and we're only four days in. But, um, you know, what I try to do is I have three bench spots. I've got a guy that can play outfield, a guy that can play middle end because my utility guy is a corner infielder. So, like – um, uh, like we were talking about, it gives some flexibility, and I have a backup catcher. But I have three bench players, and I spent a grand total of three dollars. So, I mean, of course, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to maximize, you know, my best possible lineup. So I'm just giving myself like an auxiliary, uh, you know, way to go in case somebody goes down for a long period of time. But you really want to focus on your starters and just have some you know, emergency backup plans. Yeah, I think that that's how they really hurt me last month, besides my team just now playing well. Um, all right, so we have how much time left? Six minutes left. Um, I just want to hear from you guys who your favorite pick was uh, this month. It could be because they think they're playing the best. It could be because they were incredibly cheap. It could be because they think you think they're going to bounce back in a big way or because you're just giant Blake Sweetheart fans or something like that. Uh, so, Stefan, who was your uh, favorite pick or best value, however you want to sort of quantify it this month on yeah, your team? I mean, um, it was a tough call. I mean, there's a lot of guys that I think would fit that bill. Um, so I'm going to actually defend somebody kind of unconventional. Um, so I think that probably my favorite pick, the, the guy who really surprised me what, what they were valuing him at, was um was Mustakis at six dollars. Um I was he's he's been playing incredibly well since they put him in the two hole uh for Kansas City. You know, he's getting on base, he's off to his best hitting start since he's been a major leaguer. You know, this is a guy who for years and years was talked about as being a future elite baseball player. Um and, you know, now he's really starting to show it and he's showing it from a position where he can really uh, provide a lot of help uh, offensively. So uh, I think getting a starting third baseman that is going to be really productive for six bucks put me in a position where I could go out and buy a couple of premium players in other positions that I wouldn't have been able to afford otherwise. It was That was an unconventional pick. I did not think you were going to defend Mike Moustakis as your favorite most valued pick. But – yeah, and that's probably sort of the same thing we were talking about with Myers, is that you think Moustakis is going to be the middle of the lineup home run guy, but putting him at second and just sort of utilizing his contact has turned him into a pretty valuable fantasy player through the first month. Um, and those the Royals are a hot team. I don't think they'll slow down yet. So I think they'll. I think it's a good pick. Uh, Joe, who is your who is your uh, favorite choice? So I guess I guess I am going to go a little conventional here. Um... I'm gonna go with Adrian Beltre. His uh, his value was only nineteen dollars, and I felt like that you know as a as who I still consider an elite third baseman, that is was a really good value. I know he had a horrible horrible April, 
along with most of the Texas Rangers. But I just feel like it's going to, you know, it's heating up. Balls are going to start flying out of the park there. And he's, and he's already had a pretty decent uh, May. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out what his, so his current week stats is, you know, his OBP is 385. He's got four runs, only a single RBI, but I mean, that's, that's decent right now. Um, so he, he's already been just about my best player, minus uh, Jack Peterson, who just hits nothing but home runs. Uh, yeah, it's great. But, um, but, I mean, I felt like that was a really good value for him at 19. Um, I, I had originally had Donaldson pegged in there, but I had to do some shifting around and and, and save some money there. Um, and I think I had to do the same at first base. I had Goldschmidt in there and had to downgrade to Abreu. But, I mean, I'm really, like, downgrading from Goldschmidt to Abreu really wasn't as, as huge of a deal as, as it you – know, it's not yeah, really a downgrade, in my opinion. Downgrading it's is still too right elite. <laughs> just, yeah, well, just just save right. some money. <laughs> so you're sort of hoping on the bounce back uh, month from Bell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm hoping for that. You know, same thing with guys like Desmond and 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 uh, you know Desmond, Desmond and Beltre were were my bounce back candidates for for the month. So, but Beltre, I think, was my big one. Well, I like the idea. Um, my favorite pick, I took Josh Reddick, $7 from Oakland. Um, yeah. I've seen a lot of stuff written about him. I did a lot of research before he came off the DL. Uh, his contact rate is way up. Um, he's not striking out as much. And yeah, I think he only has two, three home runs maybe, but he's got like 22 RBIs. And I, Whenever Oakland looks like they're going to suck, they just don't suck. And they score tons of runs, and it makes no sense. So that really be magic so far has worked out for me. Um, all right, so we got about a minute and a half left. Guys, thanks for coming on. Why don't you, uh, Stefan, we'll start with you. Why don't you shout out your Twitter handle, where they can find your stuff, all that good, all those goodies. Yeah, so uh, you can you can get me on Twitter at I am Stefan Zonia. Uh, I write a weekly prospect article for so-called fantasy experts um, where the focus is not necessarily ranking the, the overall talent of minor league prospects, but ranking them based on the likelihood that they can help you in your fantasy team this year. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, of course, going to jinx myself now, but I think the last four prospect articles that I put out the following week, the top person on the list got called <laughs> up. So, oh, good um, job, Stefan. Yeah, so, you know, stay tuned to those. And, uh, you know, it's always nice where you can, when you can get a dis- difference maker off the, you know, waiver wire for free. So, uh, I've had a lot of good feedback on those sites. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about Syndergaard one of these months. Um, yeah. He's next. Uh, yeah, he better be next because I'm waiting on him. Um, all right, Joe, just give us your info, and then we will uh, sign off. Yeah, I'll go real quick. Uh, at Fantasy Six Pack, all spelled out one word. Uh, you can find me on uh, so-called Fantasy Experts, writing the waiver wire article every week. I think it comes out Thursday morning. And then I also run FantasySixPack.net. And I write a bunch of stuff there too, so check it out. Yeah, Joe, I think the I think the listeners know you. You've been on like five times. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, Joe's Joe's leading the pack with uh, most appearances out of the bullpen. Um, but yeah, this has been the so-called fantasy experts fantasy baseball podcast. I'm glad I got back to talking baseball because it's still too early for fantasy football talk. It's kind of hard, a little speculative. But we'll be back next week. Uh, I don't know what we'll be talking, but it'll be Wednesday, Thursday night. I don't know. 
But uh, check it out. Check us out then. And thanks for tuning in.